Hi friends, Fred Harrell here. Thanks for tuning in to the weekly City Church Sermon Podcast. Just a note that as we continue to shelter in place here in San Francisco, we will be bringing you our Sunday Sermon audio recording via Skype over a Facebook Live broadcast. So if the audio quality seems like a little lower than normal, then now you know what's happening. We just wanted you to know. You can join us on Facebook Live each Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening and subscribing to our podcast. The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. The Word of the Lord. Good morning, City Church. It is so humbling and such an incredible honor to be invited to preach this morning. And I thank you so much for having me. I have a deep appreciation for City Church because of the time I spent as a ministry fellow two years ago at the New Begin House of Studies. But it almost didn't happen. I'd been working at Forefront Church in Brooklyn as a children's ministry director for, mo- for almost five years at that point. And I'd also been preaching and taking on more ministry responsibilities. And the goal was ordination and taking on the title of community pastor. I was hesitant because I felt really inexperienced and that I lacked education. And the hardest part is I felt that no one would wanna be pastored by an Asian woman. How many Asian female pastors are there in the world? It's not a popular job. 3%, by the way, in case you were wondering. So when I heard about the ministry fellowship at New Begin, I was so excited because it sounded like the boot camp that I needed as I was about to embark on this journey as a pastor. But as it so happened, as soon as I was promoted to community pastor, my husband also received a conditional offer doing his dream job. It was conditional on him passing a six-month training in another state, after which he would have to move uh, to start his new job in D.C. This would mean I'd be left alone to care for two of our three children, all while adjusting to a full-time pastor role for a total of 12 months before we would eventually make the move to D.C. to join him. And I remember telling my family back home about this big change about to take place. And and they their response to me was, well, you've got no choice, really. Your husband has to work. You can't take on this full-time role. You can't do a fellowship. Your priority is your children. And I remember being so angry. I felt like patriarchy had won. 
and I understood why 3% of pastors were Asian women. I felt like everything was working against me being a pastor as a woman, and that it was even harder that I came from an Asian family with really traditional values. But I felt like the same way that the stars were aligning to create this sort of perfect storm in my life, they were also calling me to step into that storm. I felt called by God to trust God through that storm. And so I decided to step into it. And I'm so thankful for it. Because if it hadn't been for me getting ordained and accepting the role as community pastor, if it hadn't been for me participating in the New Begin Ministry Fellowship, I would not be filling a 12-year dream to go to seminary today. I tell you this story because I'm sure many of you can recall a time in your life where there has been a combination of events that have created a perfect storm of sheer chaos in your life. And I'm sure you can recall a time in your life where it felt as though you were about to go under, where you weren't sure if you were going to make it through. Now, this is very much like what the disciples were feeling before they witnessed Jesus walking on water. And we often mistaken the takeaway of this story, thinking that it's about being brave in times of trial and trusting God. But today, I'm going to discourage you from being brave and stepping out of the boat alone. Are you confused? Don't worry, just walk with me here and we can dive into the story. I'm sorry about that pun just then. So this instance is actually the second time the disciples are out on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. If you recall, just a few chapters before, the disciples were also stuck in the Sea of Galilee in the middle of a storm of which Jesus subdues. You might know this story as Jesus calms the storm. The violent waters that Jesus had to come represent chaos in the Bible. You see, in the ancient Near Eastern culture, the waters were full of mythical creatures and it was a scary place. The storm in Matthew would have been terrifying to the disciples who only knew of the stories of these mythical creatures, a stories of mythical creatures that lived in a world beneath the water. They only knew of the stories of the lives that had been lost at sea in the midst of storms such as these. They only knew of the story of Genesis, of the spirit of God that hovers over these chaos waters and claims dominion over them, setting the waters in order, separating the waters from the sea and the sky. And just like the spirit of God in Genesis, Jesus was there to set order to the chaos. Jesus showed divine authority in his power to calm the storm. And so they felt safe. Now they were out in the same waters. It's dark and the memory of the time in the storm must have been on their mind. The wind and the water are threatening to overpower them once again. But this time there's no Jesus there to save them. Now they're out there alone in the midst of wild winds and thrashing waves all night long. Remember that the text says Jesus left the disciples before evening had come and now it was early morning, somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., which is what is called the fourth watch. So they'd been there all night long and Jesus appears just as day breaks. He steps onto the waters of chaos and Peter thinks he's a ghost. And so just to make sure it's Jesus, Peter says to the figure, if it's really you, 
call out to me. And when Jesus beckons him to come, Peter obliges and takes a step out of the boat. And he's probably feeling pretty confident since the day before he had just witnessed the miracle of feeding of the 5,000. He probably felt as though this would just be one of many miracles that Jesus would perform and something that he could participate in. But then remember, a gush of wind distracted him and he suddenly remembered where he was, that he was standing over the chaos waters and he begins to drown. But Jesus doesn't let him drown. Jesus reaches out his arm and saves him. He says to Peter, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Let's talk about this word doubt. It's interesting because this particular word for doubt is only ever used by Matthew in the Bible and it's only ever used twice. Once in this instance and once more in chapter 28 after the resurrection of Christ. Verse 17 says of the disciples, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. The doubt that is described here is not disbelief. It's not uncertainty. The translation means being in two minds about something, having a double, a double stance. It's being caught in the middle of two opinions. So here was Peter, believing in the powerful authority of Jesus, who is able to stand firm even above the chaos waters. But he also believed in the power of the chaos waters to overwhelm him and take him under. The disciples in chapter 28, they too, they, they were double-minded. They both believed that Jesus stood before them, having overcome death, but also believed that it was truly impossible for anyone to have survived a, a crucifixion, to be standing before them days later. And I think that this so accurately describes our state of mind when it comes to our faith, that we wouldn't be, because otherwise we wouldn't be here worshiping together today if we didn't believe in the sovereign power of God. But we are also very much aware of the chaos of this world and how it threatens to overpower us. And for some of us, this doubt is what prevents us from stepping out of the boat altogether. Now you see, we are all in a season of chaos right now. There's so much chaos happening all around us. There's the obvious chaos of the pandemic, and then there is all the chaos within social systems that have been affected as a result. Health, education, and the economy, they've all been disrupted. And this isn't just happening in the US, it's happening all over the world. And we've been sitting here, we've been waiting, we're at the fourth watch of months and months of chaos, of schools remaining closed, jobs lost, lives lost every single day. And our response has been to step into this chaos and try to find a new normal. And we've probably said that this is God's will and that Christ called us into these storms and into this chaos. Some of us are seeing this chaos as evidence of cracks in these systems that are opening even bigger cracks, revealing deep-seated systemic oppression. And so what we did when we saw this chaos, when we saw these cracks, is we decided to run out into the water, showing that we had power over these oppressive forces. We did like Peter did. We called out and said, if it's you, Christ, call me. And so we followed Christ's call by running into the water. And I could end the sermon now and say, yep, 
you did what Christ has called us to do, to run into the storm and to be brave and trust him. But I noticed something interesting. Eight years, we've seen this hashtag Black Lives Matter pop up every time yet another black life is lost in the hands of racist cops. And recently this movement developed momentum and people were hitting the streets everywhere. There were so many people responding to this call by marching. There were anti-racism books sold out on Amazon and anti-racism courses all over the internet. Many listened to the call and stepped out into the storm. But now, now that the elections are creeping up, the reality sets in of what it looks like to change systems so that black lives actually do matter. And now many are responding by quietly stepping back into the boat. There are many of us who want to follow Jesus's call for justice and we start stepping into the chaos waters. We do it confidently, like Peter, fueled with energy and ready to change the world. But the moment we realize that we do not have the security of the boat and whatever that represents in our lives, whether it's security in the laws of this nation or, or their enforcement or security in our economy, once we feel as though we're stepping a little too far from those securities, we feel the water threaten to take us. We are double-minded. We want to follow Jesus's call saying, come, but we also want the security of the boat and whatever that represents. We want to step out of the boat and pay people more equitably, but we worry about financial security, even if it only serves us. We worry about job security, even if it only serves us. And in this fight for equity, for black lives, we want an end to police br brutality, but we worry about public safety when it comes to defunding the police. And so we get distracted by the winds of powers and principalities of the world that say law and order are the only answers. And these are false securities. They are false because they only serve a few of us. And the truth is, the reality is that this pandemic has shown us that these systems that we live in, they only serve a limited few who feel secure on the boat. And the real chaos is the organized chaos of, the, of these broken systems that continue to take from the lives of the marginalized and the disenfranchised. The mythical creatures of today are those false securities and organized chaos of these broken systems. And Jesus wants to call us out of our false securities and step into the chaos. But he wants, to do, he wants us to do so, fixing our gaze on Jesus, who represents justice and truth and the good news of liberation. Christ beckons us to step into chaos and follow Christ's call to liberate the oppressed and redeem humanity but we must do so by fixing our gaze on justice and truth. And now that cannot be done if we are bound by the securities that only serve a limited number of us. This pandemic has taught us that we cannot return to normal. We cannot return to the class disparities and wealth gap that make low income, black, brown, and indigenous people most vulnerable because of their lack of access to quality healthcare. 
We cannot go back to condoning police brutality and justifying racial bias. Our false securities have created these broken systems. And I know you know that at City Church. I know that you're aware of many of these issues. I know that you see them. And many of you will say, I stand with the oppressed. I want to be part of making things different, or I refuse to bend to these systems. And so you say, I'm going to step out and overcome these barriers. Now your recognition of this is good because you are hearing Jesus calling out to you, come. But here's the thing, we can't step out like Peter did, fueled with energy, expecting to perform miracles on our own. If you're going to step out into the storm by yourself and be brave and think that you'll be fine, that you'll survive, don't do it. Because like Peter, you're going to sink because we cannot do this alone. We can only do this with Christ and together with community for two reasons. We need the support of community to get us through each storm, particularly this one. We also need to pull others alongside us. We must also pull our siblings out of false securities and pull our siblings out of the organized chaos of broken systems. Whatever you do, don't step out of the boat alone. Hold tightly to the hand of Christ and please take others with you. It is only with Christ that we can get through this. The spirit of Christ is right there with us. The presence of Christ in me, in you, and in everyone. It's that that's gonna get us through this. It is only with us working together in community that we are going to get through this storm. And it will happen. In the fourth watch of the night, just as the sun always rises, a new dawn is rising where Christ will overcome the powers that oppress. This has me thinking about my mother and who my mother was and what she did. From the age of 13, my mother started working to support her family and she continues to do so even today. She continues to send money home to several family members in the Philippines. And this is pretty normal for overseas Filipino workers worldwide. They send money home for people to come together to help raise their children. Then those children, they grow up and they go to school and go out and get jobs. Then they send money back home so that another set of children can grow up and do the same. And now this system, it works. It's it's rooted in the collectivist values of Asian culture, in the values that say that we must help one another to get through this. Once one person gets further ahead, they reach back to bring others alongside them. That is how Christ shows up in the midst of chaos. And I had, to re- I had to be reminded of these values when I was raised, that I was raised on when I was taking up the call to be a pastor. I wasn't supposed to prove to anyone that I could do it, that I could overcome these barriers on my own, and that I was some kind of superwoman. No, the only way that I was going to get through that season was by reaching out and grabbing Christ's hand. The entire 12 months, I don't know how many times I nearly drowned. But Christ always saved. Christ always saved in the form of my community who sent me meals. Christ saved in the form of wonderful fellow moms who encouraged me along the way. Christ always saved in the form of supportive friends and fellow clergy at New Begin who reminded me to keep my eyes on Christ calling out my name. And all these people 
were willing to extend themselves so that I could be added to being one of th the 3% of Asian female pastors in the world. The late John Lewis wrote in his last essay, published after his death, ordinary people with extraordinary vi vision can redeem the soul of America by getting in what I call good trouble, necessary trouble. We are at the fourth watch right now, but it is nearly daybreak. The sun will rise. It is time to break out of our double-mindedness. It is time we fixed our gaze on the truth. It is time that we got into good trouble. And so I challenge you to get into good trouble for one another by stepping into the stormy chaos together as a community. When you do so, fix your eyes on Christ, whose sovereignty is grounded on truth and justice. The truth that it is not our false securities and broken systems that save, but that it is Christ that saves. Christ is the security that we must hold on to. So now we can let go of our double-mindedness. Because when we do, when we are willing to answer Christ's call to come out and get out of the boat and get into good trouble, then we can take others alongside us. And Christ can redeem all of humanity from the hands of its oppressors. Let us pray. Lord, there is so much chaos out there that we are facing on so many different levels. Lord, I ask that you continue to remind us to rely on your truth and not our own understanding. I ask that you continue to call us towards you. I ask that you light up a fire of courage to step out of the false securities and false safeties of the boat. Show us how we can let go of our double-mindedness double and then show us how we can creatively show up to one another as Christ, as your hands and feet in support of one another, whether it's in showing up for protests, giving generously, or serving a community member in need. May we continue to show up for one another so that we can bring to reality your kingdom here on earth. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much, City Church, for having me this morning. I hope one day that I'll be able to do this in person. Be blessed.